Welcome to the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. My name is Jason Sacco and I'm your host. As a 35 plus year spondy, I'm looking to use this show to bring the spondy community closer. I'll give my lifelong battle with AS to you. That includes triumphs, tragedies, and lessons. So sit back, enjoy, and know you are not alone. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. This is going to be the 23rd episode already. This is fantastic and in this episode I'm going to talk about You've been diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis. Now what? First, I want to recognize that it's just been amazing the number of downloads I've seen coming through for November. November is looking like it could top October, which was a record month. So thank you to everybody that's listening. Thank you for all the feedback I've been getting. And we've also had some people checking out the show from a couple new countries, South Korea, Bulgaria, Singapore, Honduras. So welcome to those new places. And also a flurry of people out of Ireland have been downloading the show. So to the Irish listeners and to all the listeners, thank you so much. So let's jump in and do the question of the week. What was I going to talk about? Huh? Question of the week. Oh yeah, brain fog. I don't know about you guys, but I've seen this discussed multiple times throughout the forums about I get these brain fog. I get things I I can't quite comprehend anymore. And I myself get that. I, I do a weekly trivia game and there's answers that pop up that I know I know and I just can't think of them or I want to say something to somebody and I I sit there and it just rattles around in my head. I, I'm like, I know the answer, but why can't I get this out? Well, forgetting names, losing words, trouble concentrating, you know, brain fog is common. It can be disturbing. I don't like it and I'm sure nobody else does. It can be thing that causes concern when you're at work if you forget things will I forget things did I forget something all that can play into your stress related to work and and maybe even trigger a flare if it gets too bad they did a study in 2018 now it was on rheumatoid arthritis patients not ankylosing spondylitis patients but I think there's enough similarities that it, it is of interest and that study found that they think that there's a connection between inflammation and cognitive dysfunction The inflammation disrupts signals between pain receptors in the brain, literally fogging up mental functioning. That's very interesting. So I'd be curious if anybody's brain fog gets worse during a flare. Have you noticed it? Have you noticed in times of high stress, your brain fog gets worse? You know, no, I haven't had any writing or spelling issues result of that. I'd be curious to know if any of of you guys have. Mine is just recalling certain things. My, My recollection of facts and figures gets real murky. There's also some medications that may potentially cause some brain fog. One person I saw blamed their brain fog on Humira. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what I saw them saying. Other drugs such as prednisone, it's put out there to reduce inflammation, but it can sometimes affect cognitive issues. 
again, I found nothing that said these were long-term effects. They were more short-term when the drugs were in your system. Uh, there's also some cholesterol-lowering uh, statins, which may contribute to brain fog. I'm on one of those, and that may also be part of the uh, part of the issue. See, there we go. Couldn't get the words out. So I'm going to do this. I suggest you do this. Is consult your doctor. I'm not a doctor. None of this is you know hard and fast medical advice. It's just to make you aware of some issues so that you can bring these up and talk to your doctor about them. So. You're not going crazy. Most likely these are not long-term permanent effects. They may most likely are medication effects. So again, talk to your doctor, see what he or she says is the best course of action going forward. I've seen one person, and this is only for states where it's legal, obviously, who swears by cannabis to control the brain fog. It's not something I've tried, but hey, whatever works for you is the best. So make sure that you're getting a lot of sleep, Stay organized if it's affecting you in a lot of different areas of your life. Plan out your day if needed and take time out if you have to. Take time out to kind of step back, reset yourself, do a meditation, whatever it is to kind of calm yourself down and and get yourself back into a spot where you can process information correctly. And now let's go on to the rest of the episode. So you've been diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis. Now what? You know, maybe... You just received this diagnosis from your rheumatologist you've been seeing. Could be your first rheumatologist. Could be second, third, fourth one if you were having issues with any of them. They've given you, you know, lots of information. You've collected information. There's some things you want to generally keep in mind when when looking at ankylosing spondylitis. You know, when did you start to notice symptoms? Did you experience the pain for three or more months? Do you have more pain in the morning or evenings? Can you exercise to ease some of the pain? Those are some things that the rheumatologist may ask. Those are things that you want to just kind of keep in the back of your mind as you work with your rheumatologist and maybe start to journal your experience with ankylosing spondylitis so you get a better idea of how to get a handle on it. You know, once you've been diagnosed, the rheumatologist is going to also want to know stuff like family history, personal history, do a physical exam, imaging, you know, like x-rays and MRIs, and finally blood work. seems like every time I go into a doctor, they're drawing blood to test me to make sure or to check how the medications are are interacting with me. I was diagnosed in 1984 at the age of 14 and finally had told me, you know, and my parents why I'd been in pain for the last few years. But I was only 14. How was a diagnosis going to be processed by a 14-year-old when there was no such thing as the internet? There was no such thing as talking to other people that had ankylosing spondylitis. It was just, here's what the doctor said. Here's what you can take and come back in six months. So there really wasn't any way for my 14-year-old mind to process anything. I just said, okay, and on with my life. Not sure as an adult how I would deal with that, especially now with the internet, which is great. It allows you to connect with people, research things, but you can also over-research some stuff. As an adult, you are going to think about this much differently than I did uh, as a 14-year-old kid. You know, looking through the websites as I was going on thinking about this, I found a great article titled Newly Diagnosed, Four Things You Should Know by Lisa Marie Basil. I hope I said that last name correct. And she is such a nice person. I've reached out and talked to her several times. Down in the show notes, I'll have a link to this article. It's fantastic. So this is really going to be a summation of a lot of what Lisa said. Her information is so good. Number one, your emotional responses to your diagnosis are totally valid. You know, you you might be angry, 
You might be sad. You might be a little bit happy because you finally figured out what's going on. There's a way to treat it. But any type of emotional response you have is valid because you're the one that has to deal with it. And it could go all through those things in a matter of minutes, seconds, hours. You know, I was just a kid when diagnosed, so my emotional reactions were different. As an adult, you know, like we said, you might have anger, also confusion, fear. They're all valid. Own them. Process them. Deal with them as best you can. If needed, look into therapy if you need to go that route. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. So remember, if anybody tries to tell you that your emotional responses are inappropriate based on your diagnosis with AS, that's not true. Number two, use the Internet to your advantage, but don't use it too much. As Lisa said, there are great support groups on Facebook dealing with ankylosing spondylitis. You can locate people on Instagram dealing with the same condition using various hashtags. If you need to talk to someone like a therapist, I encourage you to do that. Whatever makes you better able to tackle this diagnosis of ankylosing spondylitis so that you can still remain a happy, productive, healthy person in whatever way or form or shape that is. You know, when you get online, realize that everybody has ankylosing spondylitis differently. It affects us all differently, even though it's the same disease. So somebody might be dealing with something a little more dramatic or, or severe than you are. Take that for what it is. If you can offer support or you want to offer support, feel free and go for it. You know, we're all here to support each other as best we can. You know, also listen to your doctor as you're as you're dealing with it and you're looking on the Internet. There's nothing wrong with researching medications, researching side effects. But remember, with medications, side effects are usually listed as potential side effects, not guaranteed side effects. So I see this a lot with biologics as people talk about them. Many will get on there and treat a biologic like they're going to get those side effects. You know, you may, you may not. Everybody reacts differently. Is it important to know what the side effects are? Probably. Again, I'm not a doctor. Discuss it with your doctor. When I was put on a certain biologic, it never even thought to occur to me to ask what the the side effects were because, honestly, I didn't care. I was in so much pain that any side effect could be dealt with, but I was just looking for something to help try and ratchet back some of the pain I was dealing with. Number three, keep moving and stretching as much and as often as you can. Ankylosing spondylitis is an disease, you know, that will require you to exercise to fight its progression. The more exercise you can do, the better. Don't go out and go crazy without first discussing it with your doctor to find out what he or she recommends is best for you to do. I'm a perfect example of what not exercising will do. Uh, my back is seized up. Exercise wasn't discussed as much. I, You know, what was always said was deep breathing. You know, now I've had multiple hip replacements, which limits the exercises I can do. But I wish I would have started this 30, you know, years ago. I now do some limited push-ups, meditation. I try to do some yoga. But if you're much more able-bodied than I am, keep that going. You know, if, if you're in pain and all you can do for the day is walk, walk. If it's walking around the block near your house, walking down your driveway, or just walking across the house, it doesn't matter. Anything to keep moving is good. As I've said in other episodes, I now, when I watch TV, in between the show, like when the commercial break comes on, that's what I do push-ups. Goal is 10 push-ups. If I can get 10 push-ups done during a commercial break, which is easy to do, 
then I'm happy. That's some movement for me. You can set up whatever works best with you and your doctor. Uh, look into yoga. There's lots of yoga videos on YouTube. If you're in a more metropolitan area, there's a ton of yoga classes you can look into. Whatever works best for you. Some people you're going to see, especially if you're newly diagnosed, you're going to see that they're able to do really heavy exercise. You're going to see them weightlifting, all this crazy stuff that I, I wish I could do, but I can't. Before you jump in and say, man, I'm going to run to the gym and become a power lifter. Again, I can't emphasize enough. Talk to your doctor. Let him or her tell you that those are the exercises that they want you doing. And they think that those are the best to help keep you going. You know, But at the same time, do what you feel comfortable with. If it causes you a lot of pain, ratchet it back and do what you can do without putting yourself in excessive amounts of pain. Number four, not everyone will understand your uh, perspective. You may look healthy and normal on the outside, but some people won't understand that it's in a, really an invisible illness. It affects mostly stuff on the inside. Again, I'm a little bit different because of my lack of exercise and, and hip replacements. When I I walk. I walk with a cane. I'm hunched over. I have a brace because I have a drop foot. People can tell there's something wrong with me, but they can't tell that when I pull into a handicapped parking spot because from the waist up, everything looks fine as I'm sitting there in my car. And I have had people come up to me in the handicapped spots and knock on the window and ask why I'm parked there. I'm assuming they're thinking that I may have dropped somebody off, that I'm parking there illegally, whichever. Is it right of them to do? No, but they do it. I can't control others' actions. I've gotten out of the car before with my cane and then said, can I help you? And that usually shuts them down pretty quick and uh, gets an apology and they walk away. But you have to handle it. You're going to have people say maybe it's a fake illness. Some of the worst things is maybe your family, your spouse, they may not understand what you're going through. Share this podcast with them. Let them hear from somebody besides you that this is not a fake illness, that it really is something you're dealing with so that they can better understand why there's those times, those days when you're in a lot of pain. You know, you wake up in the morning and you might see your spouse and you, your body feels good. You take a shower, everything's fine. And when you get home that night, you're stiff, you're sore. Your spouse wants to go out. You're just burned out. You can't do it. It's caused all the fatigue in the world. And they get upset with you. That's going to happen. It happened in my last marriage. She couldn't quite understand why I was dealing with what I was dealing with. She gave it a good shot. I, I can't critique her or I can't say negative that way. She tried, but it was still very hard for her to understand. Build a support network. If your family's not helping or, or able to better provide that support network for you, join one of the Facebook groups. There's many of them that deal with ankylosing spondylitis. Just type that in the search on, on Facebook and you'll find all sorts of groups with a lot of really good people out there. You know, like I said, share this podcast with them. You know, just do the best you can do every day. Be the best that you can be. You know, seek out the support groups. There's, depending on where you're located at, there's national ankylosing spondylitis organizations like Spondylitis Association of America here in the United States. Uh, there's also the Canadian Spondylitis Association, the Australian Arthritis, which deals with ankylosing spondylitis as one of their items. So there's a bunch of them. I'll have links in the show notes to the different national organizations that I know of. Look into those and see if one of those provides any local support groups for you. It's not easy. While I'm very sorry that you were diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis, it's also not a death sentence. It's not the end of the world. You just have to learn to adapt and then overcome. I know that might sound easy and you might think this guy's nuts, 
how am I going to overcome this? You'll find a way. I have faith in you. I think you'll be able to do it just fine. So again, I thank you. Make sure you go out and find me on Instagram at AS underscore podcast. And I look forward to talking to you in the future. Bye.